Hello, and welcome to The Potential State. My name is Dr. Asel Romanelli, and today I'm going to talk to you about the price of being nice and the gain of being a pain. I'm coming to you live from Florida, where I'm running workshops for North Americans. And these workshops I'm running for are about communication skills, about being more honest, more direct, more vital, more creative. And almost all of these workshops require a certain level of um, directness, directiveness. And I keep getting, getting, getting questions, which are clarifying questions slash just remarks that it's dangerous and what if the other person's offended? Now, I'm reminding you the context is how to deepen our relationships. That's the context. That's the umbrella of all these workshops. How to deepen our interactions, deepen our relationships, how to better read other people so I can better relate, how to create deeper rapport. And there's this fear that keeps surrounding these workshops about what will people be offended? What will people be offended? I want to talk about it for a second. What, what does nice mean? I think for many, for many people, nice means not to offend them, not to say anything that will hurt their feelings, right? But the, which means like accepting everything. But there's two things that, two things, there's a problem here because one is our brain is hardwired to see differences, to see dangers and to, and to protect us from them, right? Almost everything we do is stereotypes, right? From a ta- what furniture, okay, that's a category. Our brain looks for categories, okay? And that helps us survive. So we don't have to think about every single thing. So our brain is actually hardwired to be judgmental. That's one. And the second thing is you cannot not communicate, right? Over 90% of our communication is nonverbal. So even if I'm not saying anything and I'm super nice, I'm actually spilling out of me what I'm really thinking right now about this person, about myself, about the scenario. I'm so happy right now, but actually I'm not. So I can try being nice, but that's actually just embedding a, a sort of hypocrisy. Because people can see that what I'm saying and what I'm feeling are not the same unless I'm a very good actor or a very good mind masker, right? So basically what's happening is by insisting on being nice, I'm actually becoming a little bit of a hypocrite. Now, I'm not saying you need to not be nice. I'm saying in relationships that count, it's worth to not always be nice. If, if that means saying what you think. And then probably have it we have a presupposition or a guideline, which is say the thing. Okay. Audiences want actors or improvisers to say what's actually happening. So if I'm in the middle of a scene and spit came out of my mouth and it landed on the other person's forehead, you know, cause I was excited. I was like yelling The audience want to see the person wipe his brow and say, wow, you just spat on me. He's saying the thing. He's saying the reality of the situation or in therapy, we call this immediacy, immediacy skills. And research has shown that therapists that are using immediate, that have immediacy skills that are saying the thing inside the session, for instance, it looks like you're bored. For instance, sorry, I actually was thinking about something else. Or, wow, it seems like both of you are sitting really, really far away from each other tonight. So therapists that are, are actually saying the thing are experienced by their clients as more charismatic. Our, their clients see them remember more the sessions they leave a bigger impact after a day a week people remember them more and if you think about it that charisma can be taught so one of the ways to, to increase your charisma is to say the thing and another thing happens with this when you're saying the thing is you're opening the possibility the almost inevitable possibility that there will be a rupture okay 
research um, in relational psychotherapy today, we're talking about ruptures and repairs. The strongest relationships are full of ruptures, of moments of, dis- of discord, okay, of, of disharmony, of something that's not going right, and the repair of that. Ruptures and repair, ruptures and repairs. And the more they are, the stronger the relationships become. Or in couples therapy, when you see couples that never fight, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're happier. Right? It's the couples that fight and make up, fight and make up. That's how they increase the fittedness. That's how slowly this, the relationships become more and more real and deep and more attuned. It's actually with the ruptures and repairs that we're getting more attuned than being extra nice. Because by extra nice, I'm swallowing. Instead of saying the thing, I'm swallowing and repressing it inward. And what's happening, I'm creating Teflon, Teflon interactions. Interactions where I'm not bringing myself and the other person's not bringing himself. So we're not offending it and we're not offending each other, but we're also not meeting. There's no high risk, high gain moments, right? Because when I say the thing, it's a high risk and it's a high gain. I might offend you, but actually, I might actually say something that's going to wow you. That's going to knock your socks off. And you're going to say, wow, this is real. This person's the real deal. This person cares about me. Assuming that I'm saying it in order to get close and not just to to make them feel bad about themselves, which also sometimes happens. But I think this whole talk is about being not nice when I care about someone and I want to get closer. And what's happening at this over time by being nice all the time, what's happening, I get bored because all these interactions seem superficial. I'm not saying what I'm thinking. They intuitively feel that I'm not being real. I'm kind of either not telling them the truth or in the worst case, I'm a hypocrite or I'm not I'm just lying. And if that's what I'm doing to other people, what I'm actually signaling is you have to be nice with me. Because if I'm super nice with you, then you can't, you can't jab me. You can't tell me what you think about me because I'm being nice. So in fact, being nice is actually a very clever defense mechanism where no one's going to come close to me. So again, that's a gain, right? I'm gaining security. I'm gaining defense from criticism. The price I'm paying is loneliness and superficiality. So now I want to give a few examples of that. And then a few, I'll finish with um, some tips on what, what can you do to be less nice in a way that still is going to, to create generative, collaborative relationships. So a few years back, I was working in a team and I had a colleague and she was a very self-deprecating, low-status victim. And she was always like, like tormented by whatever anyone said. And she was super sensitive, not just about her, about everything and she, she kept making this face and, and it was just unbearable and nobody in the team wanted to work with her. But everyone was nice to her. So whenever she'd say everything, everything okay, we'd say, yeah, sure, sure, sure. No one was engaging with her. No one gave her the gift of, of honest, of saying the thing, of, of honest love, tough love, including me. I didn't, want, I didn't have the energy to open it up because I thought that if I'm going to open it up, she's going to go, oh, and start crying or start feeling like a victim. And so I just avoided her like the rest of the office. We wouldn't sit with her at lunch. We would just kind of keep our distance from her. But at the end of the day, what happened is that just she was locked in that behavior. She couldn't get out of it. She didn't know any other way. No one was engaging with her. No one was stretching her. No one was putting a boundary there. No one was giving her the gift of uh, feedback of saying, well, this is unbearable. It's an, we can't have a conversation here. And what happened is that just locked down relationship. And, and the whole team, ironically, we have to spend a lot of energy on being extra nice. But she felt it. She felt like behind her back, no one liked talking, no one liked being with her. And she, it was clear to her that when we're not with her in the room, we were probably gossiping about her. It was a very tragic situation, but we all wanted to be nice. 
and so is she. Another example is when I'm supervising therapists. And beginning therapists always want to be nice. Everybody wants to be loved. And I want to be nice, right? People are coming to me for help, and they, they, I'll be the nice person. I'll be the container that they never had. I'll be the mom or the dad they never had, and I'll just be nice, and I'll be accepting and not judgmental. The problem with that is if I'm always nice and not judgmental and going with the client, then what's going to happen is many times I'm going to get sucked into the client's dance. It's going to be very hard for me to challenge my client to unbalance his reality, his homeostatus in his life if I'm nice. Because at a certain point, I'm going to say something he or she doesn't like, and then she's going to think it's not nice. And then she's going to get offended or not or angry or disappointed and all the things we were talking about in previous episodes. So I need to withstand that. I need to realize that I'm not being, I'm, I'm being a pain because there's a gain there. Because actually in the long term, I'm actually signaling that in this room, truth will be told. And I'm, I'm, I care more about having a deep, real interaction than being nice. And I'm willing to pay that price. And for many therapists, at least, at least in the beginning, it's hard for them to even fathom the idea of not being nice, of challenging, of not agreeing with a client, of not seeing it the same way they see it, and challenging them, pushing back, stretching them. Because there's this thing of being nice, being nice is good. And I think... I think what's, I want to give another example that took me about three, four years. In couples therapy, when one couple comes before the other, they knock on the door and they want to come in. It's cold outside or hot outside. And you feel uncomfortable. You're not going to say, well, no, actually, no, you can't come in. So for many, many years, I would, I would let them come in and then it would be awkward. And I, I felt it wasn't right. It wasn't right for them. It created a coalition between me and this partner. And when the other partner came in, I was, I was a little suspicious. What did we talk about? And I remember about a few years ago when it was the first time that I said no. A woman knocked. I opened the door. She says, my husband's going to be here in a few minutes. I said to her, then please wait outside. Come in together. And I think the first time I did it, she kind of gave me this look. And I kind of stumbled a little bit. But then I, she, she left. But now when this happens, and it happens about once a month at least, I'm solid there. And I know that it's not that I'm being um, an asshole. Maybe I am, but I'm actually putting a clear boundary here. I'm saying this is not going to happen. And I think by, by showing that, I'm actually calming her down because Carl Whitaker talks about two battles in therapy. There's the battle for structure and the battle for initiative. The battle for structure, I need to win. I need to make sure that they know who's in control of the structure. And it's me. I'm going to call the shots. Who's going to come in and when? Like, like a parent, right? Our kids need to know someone's responsible. Someone's at the wheel driving this train or this plane or this car. The second battle is a battle for initiative, which I need to lose. They need to want it more than me. But that's a different talk. So I'm going back to this idea of I'm not going to be nice. I'm going to be very, very clear. My mouth and my heart or my mouth and my body are going to be the same. And what you see is what you get. And that creates a certain authenticity and integrity that I'm modeling for these clients or for my kids or for my partner or for my colleague. So not everyone's going to like me. It's true. And in fact, some more superficial relationships might even end. But the ones that I care about are the ones that are going to actually get deeper and more real. And I can bring more parts of myself. Because if I'm only nice, I'm only going to get the nice back. right? But I'm not going to be able to bring all the other parts of me, the aggressive, the sexual, the angry, the jealous, the dreamer, the child, right? 
all those parts can't come in because I'm always bringing one part because I'm trying to be nice because I'm afraid that if I bring the other parts, they won't like it. But if I dare to be not nice and I can bring different sides of myself, then I'm going to have more rich, rounder, more varied relationships in my life. And I think that is a, that's something that's worth it in the long run if you're thinking about being bored, about being lonely, about feeling like you know, nothing's really touching you during the day. So I want to finish with a few tips. First of all, think about what relationships are important to you that are worth you stepping out of your comfort zone and daring not to be nice. Obviously not every single interaction, not the, the salesperson in the supermarket or in the store. I'm talking about people in your personal and professional life that are worth it, that actually spend quite a, quite a chunk of your time with them. Think about who are those people and do I want to step it up with them, take it to the next level? And then choose to believe that there's a game to say the thing. That ruptures and repairs are actually a necessity in every single relationship. Every single intimate, meaningful relationships. Really believe that. And believe that by saying saying the thing, whether it's nice or not nice, whether that person will like it or not, will actually deepen the relationship. And the next level would be to explain these concepts to this person, if you can. I think uh, by framing it before you start, it's going to help the other person be on the same page. It's giving you a common vocabulary. Either play them this, this episode or talk to them or explain to them and say, I care about this relationship and I want to be more real. I want to be more honest. And I might be wrong and that's fine. And let's talk about it. I'm not pretending that I know everything, but I want to broadcast live that metaphor. I want to tell you what's happening. I want to say the thing for me or what I'm seeing in you. And please correct me if I'm wrong. And I'm willing to take the heat and the implications of that. And once you have that shared vocabulary, start saying the thing. Start speaking your mind, obviously with respect. And if your heart, remember that your heart needs to be in the right place. But say it. Say the thing. Follow the fear. See what's happening. And what you're going to be expecting, you'll be seeing if you're doing this. And this is a major second order change. Then you will be seeing ruptures you'll be seeing the other person not really knowing how to how to digest this they'll move between being angry and offended and 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 maybe uh feel sorry for themselves maybe blame you for being aggressive i don't know it might go through all these kinds of periods but if you can hold on to yourself and keep going with this what you're going to discover is this relationship will either end but usually from my experience the relationship will take another level and that other person will slowly be will dare more and more to tell you what he or she thinks about you what he or she is feeling at the moment. She will also use her immediacy skills. And actually what's happening, we're going to be more and more honest, which actually means, paradoxically, I'm also going to be more nice because when I do say something I, I really believe in that's nice, it's going to go much deeper. Because if people see that what I'm saying, I'm daring to say something negative or constructive, but I'm also daring to say something good, then the good goes so much deeper because you're saying that person, hey, that person is thinking, yeah, He's keeping it real. And if he says that I'm really smart right now, he really means that. So if I need to sum all this up, there are obviously secondary gains and secondary losses for every single behavior. There's a price of being nice and it's called superficial relationships, boredom, and a sense of loneliness. And there's a gain to being a pain, which is high risk, high gain, vitality, adventure, curiosity, excitement, 
and deeper relationships. Which one are you going to choose? My name is Dr. Ocel Romanelli, and this was The Potential State. I'll see you next time.